Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Coaching Call podcast. On this podcast, we'll cover various types of coaching by trainers in sports, martial arts, fitness, and business. We'll discuss each coach's methods to getting the most out of their respective athletes or clients and how they attempt to change the platform in which they coach. Join us on a fun adventure as we discuss unique coaching styles. We've all been coached before in school, at work, or on a team. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Raphael, and his guests on this unique journey in coaching. Hi, I'm Sifu Raphael, and this is the Coaching Call Podcast. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoyed this episode, Go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. I'm trying to keep this episode free of advertisements. Anything you can donate to the cause is greatly appreciated. To donate, go to paypal.me backslash Sifu Raphael. Thank you and I really appreciate your help. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me on Coaching Call Podcast. How are you today? I'm well. Thank you, Raphael. It's a pleasure to be with you. It's a real honor for me. I mean, you're, to me, you're a superstar. And not only are you an action film star, but you're also a stuntman. And you're a great martial artist. Let's talk about everything. <laughs> I'm ready to go, brother. Thank you for the kudos. Yeah, you know, let, let me, let's, let's start from the beginning. How old were you when you started martial arts? Well, the journey began officially at age almost 18. Mm. I had bought my first vehicle uh, because nothing was handed to me, although I grew up in a very rich area. My mother was very, very good at being both mother and father to me. And uh, so I had spent all my money buying a car and uh, rolled up to Junchung Taekwondo. Mm. Uh, I had experimented with some other martial arts, kind of after school things at the park and parks and rec, but there wasn't anything like you know, what I wanted to do. So rolled up to Junshan Taekwondo uh, around July-ish of 1980 and uh, began my journey because others that I knew in high school had gone there. And there was very limited options at that time. Right. Kung Fu Tensu, uh, Shotokan Karate, Emil Farkas, Beverly Hills Karate, etc. So Junshan was the absolute, I mean, I just walked into the greatest school that I could have. And it was just amazing. It was, you know, meant to be. Right, right. You definitely did walk into uh, one of the greatest guys around. You started training at 18. Yes. But you're, you, you've taken it very far. What level are you currently now? I am a ninth degree black belt in Taekwondo, uh, United States Taekwondo Federation, which is an amalgam of all of, of those styles. I also have, I could have an eighth degree black belt through the cookie one. However, I lived in Hawaii for so long that I kind of put everything on hold to take care of my mom. So I could be an eighth degree black belt in the cookie one. Mm-hmm. I was also uh, offered an honorary Don. And I was so humble at that time. My grandmaster said, you know, I asked him, I said, just for a fifth. And I said, he said, are you sure that's all you want? I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And uh, then ninth degree black belt in Hapkido, hop, combat Hapkido through the World Hapkido Federation mm-hmm. and uh, Interne- International Hapkido Association. 
Right, right. And, and I've I've heard your story, but if if you take like a quick second and tell us how did you get into the movies? I, I mean, it, it it was from what I gathered, it was like a coincidence, but there is no real coincidence. It was meant to be. So tell us how that happened. So I was at Junshan Taekwondo uh, very late one night. Um, there were there were people always calling the Taekwondo school at that time for commercial auditions for stunt guys to come who could actually kick instead of the you know the guys throwing you know sort of kicks but not so good. And so I had just come back from Africa, and I had spent all of my money you know whatever, and I was working at a used car dealership in Santa Monica frustrated as all heck. And, uh, but I had done other, you know, I was already, uh, uh, you know, in the Screen Actors Guild and all that, because I was a Pepsi Slice black belt, blah, blah, blah. But I was at the school at 9.30 PM, mm. beating the crap out of the bag, because mm. I hadn't been able to train for weeks. And um, this producer from Hong Kong called, who calls the studio at 9.30 at night, I don't know. Right, yeah. But this gentleman, everybody was gone. And um, this gentleman, Roy Haran from Seasonal Films, uh, I, I spoke to, and he said, I'm looking for a guy above six feet tall who can do martial arts and act. And I said, you're talking to him. And I had taken uh, acting lessons on a lark because I was paying my doctor bill by working at my doctor's house. And there was an actor there said, you should come to my acting class. I'm like, eh, nah. <laughs> and uh, he said, no, 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 you, you know, you'd be good. And I didn't like the fact that I went to this class and shaking like a leaf in front of 12 people reading some words on a page. So I just thought that would be improve my character, public speaking, et cetera. Right. But right. I went and auditioned the next day and got the gig. Wow. Cool deal. Cool deal. And it was it working in the United States or was it working abroad? No, it was working in Thailand and mm. in Hong Kong. Basically, I was zero to hero. Uh, I ended up replacing Kurt McKinney, who was the star of No Retreat, No Surrender, and Matthias Hughes replaced Jean-Claude Van Damme. Mm. And uh, so we showed up. Corey Yoon Kwai was uh, the director. I didn't know who any of these people were over there. Right, right. Just uh, was ready to do my thing. And, you know, it's a kind of a good thing I didn't know who they were because I might have been intimidated. Right. Uh, it's, you know, it for me... And I don't mean to be crass by saying this, but to me, a celebrity is just another person. And I've never been awed by any celebrity because to me, they're just somebody who has a career, has a job, and they're good at it, right? So it, it, kudos to you for, for saying it, that you didn't know who they were because we should not be, well, that's what only my personal opinion by by people just because they do a, a job well we should be happy that they do a job well you, you're you are very amazing in, in all your movies and if i met you in person yes absolutely i want to shake your hand and say you know wow it's a it's a great job but would i be like starstruck i'm sorry no but i hope not, I but, hope not. but here's the yeah. thing you are amazing at what you do, and I nobody can ever take that away from you. And that's one of the things that I see celebrities as, someone who's really good at what they do, and they have a passion for it. Right. And they're also a part of the machine, mm -hmm. if I may. 
well, there is a machine that creates these products. You remember Johnny Depp probably saying he hated being a product. You remember mm-hmm. Prince uh, changing the symbol, his name right. to a symbol. And what I learned growing up being surrounded by all of these quote unquote celebrities is, is that only the truly great are humble. And it's what somebody does every day and what you do for someone, regardless of who you think you are. You know, once you go, go on the path of ego, you become less of a person to me. And what I, is always impressive to me is people who don't uh, stop being a human being. Mm. Because uh, I don't care where I am. I don't tell anybody who I am. If they're interested in finding out, they will listen and I will speak and I will listen. They will speak and we will we will uh, connect on a human level. And that's served me well all over the world. I am fearless, you know, as you are. Absolutely. We are fearless and we we show up for everyone Mm -hmm. because that is the warrior and that's the way it, it should be. You know, you have to be humble. You have to be gracious. And I learned a lot of lessons, you know, the hard way. And um, that's the way you learn sometimes. You know, you have, if you don't stand up, you don't fall down. If you don't try, you don't fail. If you don't, you know, if you don't always come back, martial arts is such a great thing. You know, it, it, it centers mm-hmm. us because we, when we're in front of other people, and we're demonstrating technique. There's nobody, nobody that can help us. There's nobody that, you know, yes, of course, you see who can, you know, show someone a better way, but you have to set the bar for yourself. Of course. And and that is absolutely important and imperative when you are, you know, dealing with any human being, because there is nobody better than me. You know, I don't view myself as better than anyone. As a matter of fact, I am in awe of a lot of people, but not for what they've accomplished per se or how much money they have, mm-hmm. or any of these other things. But it's the, it's the depth of their character, the, uh, the way that they engage with the, the greatest or the smallest of mm-hmm. creatures, for lack of a better right, way right. to put it. Very well said, by the way. Thank you for that. So you have actually worked with some really talented people, and you've had some really, really cool fights with some really talented people. And you've actually were told that you cannot do some of the stunt work because if you got hurt, the movie would stop. So that's right. What made you wanna, you know, do the stunts? Well, I felt that it was, you know, first of all, a challenge. Second of all, I was learning, always learning, and as a an athlete and as a as a warrior, as a martial artist. I want to know that I can do that. And I want to show the audience that I can do that, that it's not a stunt man. It's not a guy who puts on a wig and you always know when somebody's got a hat, puts a hat on and they're about to be doubled and Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. So as Jackie Chan or Bruce Lee or, you know, so many great martial arts actors, yes, I wanted to do it. I want, and, and as a stunt man, you know, going all the way back to the beginning at, at age 40, a little bit, yeah, close to 40, you know, you're, you're bottom of the rung, mm. you know, first there's dogs, then there's people, then there's uh crew, then there's stuntmen, mm. you know, and we get to do all the cool stuff. And if we bust our face or if we, you know, get broken up, that's part of the job. And, um, it's, it's just so great to be sort of that, you know, what you can 
push yourself to, and then they have to stop you from doing it because of logistically speaking, they, you're an investment. Mm-hmm. You're in front of the camera. But that kind of thing, you know, of, of a desire to uh, let the audience see me do that is, is that challenge. You know, uh, I want to show everybody. Yeah, I want to show myself and everybody else Absolutely. Uh, that I'm capable and can do that. And I have. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So have you gotten hurt on any sets? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Come on, Rob. I know, Come but just, just tell us a really no, good no, one. No, tell no, us no, a really no, good no. sidekick you took to the ribs or something. Oh, come on. There's just too many. Too many of them, right? Yeah. I mean, we would have, we would be going on and on. If I gave you the dossier of all the injuries, which by the way, they, they come back to Mm. you later. You know, I'm, I'll be 59 Mm. this year. And, uh, you know, it's always like, well, you remember when you did that? Well, let me remind you, ouch, you know, is whatever you just, you just, you, I've absorbed so much punishment and I was, look, as a martial artist, I was always protecting my head and I could take it to the body. Well, I've had stomach reconstruction. I had my stomach up and mm. my chest torn, uh, hiatus muscle, uh, torn diaphragm, you know, that reconstruct all of these things. I mean, I could, you know, right. I could bore you forever. I've been cussed six times officially and unofficially. I don't know how many. And the thing is, is that I have this, you know, mind over matter and not the joke. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. But literally, you know, we put our hand through bricks. We, you know, we get, we absorb punishment. I have always prided myself in that kind of conditioning. As you get older, you, you have to compensate. You do. I mean, I can't, I can't do helicopter kicks anymore. And now that you've got these trickster kids that can do these incredible athletics and tricks. But you know what? I mean, that's all for the movies. We, we need to do what we need to do to maintain our health, to you know, and to maintain our, our, um, ourselves. So, you know, I, uh, all I can tell you is, yeah, everything has either been broken, ripped, torn, um, adjusted, shall right. we say, and uh, readjusted. And, uh, but I'm very proud of the fact, uh, Sifu, that I have never been knocked mm. out. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Not yet. Anyway, there's always, there a is, there is likewise, by the way, <laughs> I, I, I've been hit and I, the only, the last time I got knocked out, it was by the, the, uh, doctor right before I had my knee surgery. Um, (laughs) but, (laughs) but you know, it's, it's very interesting when we're talking about the way we're able because of what we do for a living or we do for passion that we're able to sustain so many different hits and, and just take it and keep going and just move on where a lot of people don't understand what that's like because maybe they haven't gotten hit. They haven't, they don't understand the pain that goes through your body. And then after a while, it's like, it's not pain anymore. It's just part of what it is. Yeah. The, you know, you, you know, adrenaline is an incredible thing, but your spirit and your mind and you know, you, what you can do, uh, is absolutely incredible too. And then you might feel it the next day, but you're not going to feel it on the moment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, yeah, nobody's going to understand that. But to me, I've always been an advocate for martial arts programs for children and all of that, because I think that discipline and all of those things that we understand, the energy that we can push out and change an entire room with just that energy and all of those things that we can do is because we have 
gone down that path that does require pain. It does require you to, you know, be able to, to mind over matter. You know, you give the power to whatever is coming mm-hmm. at you. And, uh, you know, like Bruce Lee said, you know, the, the, the greatest opponent is an athlete who knows nothing and who, you know, is just absolutely unorthodox and fervently wants to crush your right. face. <laughs> and, 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 you know, that's very, very possible. So the thing about it is, is as we learn and as we develop our power, you know, we end up, we don't want to hurt anybody, especially ourselves, but we are willing to do that for others and for those we love and, and, uh, you know, just in, in, mm-hmm. in general, mm-hmm. Every, everything, you know, that you, cho- you can choose to be afraid of something or step into it and give it away. I mean, I used to do that, uh, you know, say to myself, and this is maybe sounds a little, you know, far-fetched or corny, but it's true. I would ask myself, are you ready to die mm-hmm. today? And the answer was always mm-hmm. yes. Once you put that armor on and you have that attitude, no one can shake you. Nothing can hurt right. you. Nothing can destroy that. And only if you let it. And then if, if it's so overwhelming, well, guess what? You're ready mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. You don't allow anybody to take your power because if you feel that power within yourself and you allow someone else to take it, then, yeah, you're giving in. And, and having that's that right. power, that's, that's huge. So, you know, you have been a role model to a lot of people where people have come up to you and said, wow, because of you, this, I, I'm now in the business, so I'm doing this, I'm doing that. How does that make you feel? You no, know, it is the greatest honor and the greatest joy to know that you've affected somebody in a positive way, that uh, I was influenced by Bruce Lee. I was, you know, awed by, you know, him and so on. And then to have anybody say that I've made an impact, all that does is it gives me a joy that you can't buy, you can't Mm. sell, you can't get without hearing that from another human being and knowing that in their journey that I had some sort of, because of the movies or because of something I've said or because of all of of whatever put me in front of other people, that I had that positive effect. Mm. And that is something that is so incredibly wonderful, but you can't, you know, it's, 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 I can't dwell on that. I'm going to keep being you the same, the same. And, uh, you know, what I, what I always, uh, you know, try to do is, uh, is just keep going and show people every day that I don't know and don't know me that, um, you know, that, to choose love and to do the right thing, uh, no matter how hard it is, and to just be a good person. And I'm so lucky and so grateful to whatever energies, you know, have put me in that position. So I have to honor that, mm-hmm. be humble. All we have to be, all of us who are all great, we are all great. We have, we all are powerful beings. And um, that's just a joy. And I can't describe how it makes me feel but it just brings me the ultimate joy to know that isn't it isn't it a little crazy when you think about that you made a living out of your passion out of something that you enjoy so much and someone said to you we're gonna pay you for this and you're like what are you crazy of course i want to get paid for that 
and I'm enjoying it. And, and you're li living the life because, wow, it is incredible when you can do something that you love with a passion and affect other people. But not only that, affect your, your, your own life and your finances. Yes. And believe me, there's a lot, millions of dollars that are still owed to me that I'll never see. Mm. But that doesn't matter because I don't live for that. You know, sometimes when you think you have so much or you need more, you need more, you need more, you have more, there's always somebody going to take it away from you. And then you become, excuse me, but you become soft. Mm. You become uh, a person that is not, I don't like being too comfortable, really. I like to know that, you know, I'm trying to do, if I may, God's work every day. And uh, that ultimately, you know, we're here for an, uh, a minute and to be unstoppable. Mm -hmm. Uh, many people have said, uh, have, have worried about me and said, you'll never amount to anything, even my own father mm. and all of that. And all I did was take that as a challenge. Of course it hurt, mm -hmm. but you know what? That's okay. You know, all that did was spur me on. Made you stronger. That's right. And so, you know, uh, spare the rod, spoil the child. Look at what's going on in the world today, how mm. people are so distant from what, what really matters. And uh, so I, I'm just so lucky. I think I saw just briefly uh, Jim Carrey mentioned in a, a commencement address. And my daughter showed this to me the other day. He said, I watched my, my father work for 40 years and do something that he didn't want to do. And he was fired after 40 years and, and had to start all over again. So why not go after what you, know, you want to do and what you love and fail rather than let somebody uh, own you, own your spirit, own your time. Look, we all have to pay the bills. Mm -hmm. We all have to do what we want to do until we can do what we want to do. Right. But, uh, right. So that's, that's just something that, look, when I tech, when I stepped into the dojo, I just was, I was home. Mm. It was like going to church. It was like, here I am. This is this, this is where I need to be. And then always coming around full circle to that, to that, uh, to the martial arts and to that place where you can't hide, where you can't be anything but, you know, your true, true self. True. So Lauren, when did you actually start teaching? Well, I mean, you know, the thing about it is, is I, I had to teach as an assistant instructor, for example, in order to get my first degree black belt. Mm -hmm. And I started officially teaching when I was about 25 years old, after I had taken my First on test, uh, August 5th, 1980, excuse me, August 10th, 1985. I've had so many testing dates, it's mm. a blur. But uh, 1985, I started officially as an instructor for Jun Chung. And, uh, you know, of course, Master Philip Bree and Master Simon Rhee were there, along with Master Peter Lulgerai, Master Danny Gibson, and so many other great martial artists. And I started teaching earlier than that just to. Uh, just to say that we're always teaching or learning every day, even before you're teaching others, because the requirement in that school was, is you have to learn, you have to be able to show everybody every minute thing, every, everything in order to have your black belt or to even test for your black belt. And I took that very mm -hmm. seriously. I was, I could have tested in 1983, but I wasn't ready. Right. I took it so seriously. So yeah, about my, about 25 years old. And, um, you know, still teaching today in one way or another. So let, let's go into the what you've done for the youth, where you've you've actually not only in Hawaii but also in, in Los Angeles, you've done stuff 
uh, with the was it the sheriff's department? Yeah, LA County Sheriff's Department. Sergeant Tony Campbell through the California Youth Karate Club. I would teach at-risk youth. Also, I uh, was blessed to align with uh, J.J. Perry, who had a school in Inglewood, and I would always love going to, excuse me, the hood, because all of those students, you know, they didn't they, they didn't have the opportunity to go to tennis and then to go here and then to play racquetball and then to go, you know, to swim class or to mm-hmm. hockey. or You know, they had to choose one thing and go there, and their parents were giving up a lot. So what I what I found is is the most joy. I used to teach the kids class at Junshan, um, beginning and then um, advanced, and I would lose my voice over two hours. <laughs> but uh, the thing about it is is seeing a young person being influenced with all of these these great principles and everything. It, it just affected me. So of course I want martial arts to be a part of every school. And I got in uh, working with the LA County Sheriff's Department through the California Youth Karate Club. Uh, This was an amalgam of different martial artists, different styles, different ways. But the biggest thing that we did was is to offer kids an opportunity after school to actually stay on premises and stay away from gangs Mm -hmm. and drugs because once they're on the street and their parents are at home until six o'clock, they're vulnerable. Right. And uh, so I just got into that full, full force. And, uh, you know, I never made a dime uh, doing that. And I didn't want to make a dime. I wanted to make a difference. Mm. That's, that's the, the thing. And I still do that. So it was California Youth Karate Club. And then in Hawaii, I started Malama Martial Arts, because all of these uh, kids in Lower Puna, there was a lot of ice, uh, a lot of methamphetamine, a lot of other drugs, and alcohol and things like that going on there. And um, so finally, the uh, Parks and Rec gave me a space, and I started teaching kids there. I had 25 kids even before I started teaching. Mm. And uh, they had to earn everything. The only thing I asked is that they, the, the parents bring some, some snacks, healthy snacks, and then we would you know, do homework. We would, I, would, I did my own little A-plus program. Nice. Yeah. And uh, you know, just, just to show up, because if, if someone like, like us shows up for these kids, we show them that we care mm-hmm. and we, and that's so important. And uh, back to LA, I'm uh, Sergeant Campbell and LA County Sheriff's department and, and uh, Sheriff Baca at the time, they would take 300 at risk youth up to big bear or to arrowhead in, uh, in California and give these kids who's, um, you know, either they're uh, some family member was in prison or in jail or uh, had died or however, because of the streets and uh, what goes on and give these 300 kids an opportunity to have a great vacation that they can't afford or they couldn't have to ride horses, to go swimming, to go hiking. And so I would go up there every year and teach a, an hour class, just blow these kids away, teach them how to meditate, all of this kind of stuff. And so it, it it's just, you know, I'm a martial arts junkie yeah. and I just believe so much in the youth and in uh, what I didn't have, but I knew needed was needed with uh, structure and discipline and martial art right right with with the movies that you've done and that definitely helped you be more active in the martial arts because as a celebrity people said well if if you said i want to i want to teach these kids they're like well you're a celebrity you can do anything you want so in a fact you used your status 
to make a difference. And I definitely applaud you for that. And I, I was, you know, always hoping that more celebrities would do that. Some do, uh, plenty, plenty do. But there are so many who are just not doing anything for anyone. How does that make you feel? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of a shame. I mean, really, look, I understand as much as I can, but too much, to, to whom much is given, much is required. Mm. We, you know, we can make a difference or we can sit there. And like I said, I don't like to be comf- too comfortable because I feel as a warrior and as a, uh, a person who can make a difference, that that is the primary directive, primary goal. Because I'll tell you, and I know you know this, Sifu, that whenever you invest in, in uh, that energy and in, that, in other people, you are changing the world. Mm-hmm. And we all want to make a difference, those that choose that path. Now, celebrities, what happens to them when they don't choose that path? They're lost, just like any human being is lost. And I never wanted to be that. And I always had the martial arts to ground me. So, you know, you can't really, I guess, blame anybody because blame serves nothing. Of course. But you, you, you always, you know this, and the audience, you know, hope gets this. You always have to work on yourself. You always have to do something for others every day and not expect anything for it, not expect any understanding. I, don't, I wouldn't go in as a celebrity I would go in as an advocate, as a person who has has this, these, this well trained and and all of these other things, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they would discover who I am. They would discover my spirit first, my love for them first, because I'm the Pied Piper. I mean, I can go into a room of kids and and you know they just feel that, and I know you know what mm-hmm. that is, and and that's so huge because. These, these young people are the future, and that's what you can do for them is to show up for them and give them your, your spirit, show them your spirit, show them that you care. And, it, you know, I can't – if other people don't want to do that or there's a reason perhaps that they shouldn't do that because their arrogance or their, you know, position has changed them. Mm. So um, maybe they don't – they shouldn't mm. do that. They, they might the not be ready <laughs> to do that. <laughs> not, not, not just ready. They haven't done their the, the work on themselves. Mm. So how can they possibly be an example of anything other than all of this hullabaloo mm. that this the culture of no culture that we have promotes? So, yeah, you don't want somebody down there, you know, that's going to teach people how to be that way or wants to be worshipped in some way or, you know, lauded in some way. It You know, that's just... Yeah. So, you know, I wish people would do more, but there's always, it seems to be some other ulterior motive, if you will. Yes, absolutely. That bothers me. I mean, it bothers me. So many things bother me because, you know, it's so important that we stay true. You know, we're here for a minute. Uh, When I studied in college, um, you know, psychology, for example, there's a uh, book by Reinhard Niebuhr that, you know, basically states that he never got any real degree, but he's got all of these honorary degrees. Basically states in 1949, he wrote this, this first book, which basically s- says that human beings are doomed to repeat the same history all throughout the millennia because we can't transfer knowledge to any new generation. They have to seek it or be in a structured culture or civilization that 
promotes that. And uh, unfortunately, human beings are the apex predator. Mm -hmm. And we are naturally just, shall we say, without without certain things that we, we come to realize perhaps when we're older, we're naturally just going to consume. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's what we do. When we let other things, and unfortunately, this new world of cell phones and all this stuff, I mean, people are always looking down and they're looking at this little screen. And when they look down, they don't see all of the beauty around them. So it makes me think of Bruce Lee, you know, don't focus on the finger. Mm. And there's, you know, it's just kind of a lost situation now uh, with a lot of people and what's important to them. And uh, there's so much inequality and inequity. And that's, it's really, it's, it's hard to watch. Right. Uh, you know, what can you do about it? Well, only do the best you yeah, can. No, without a doubt. So let me ask you, which was your toughest film to shoot and why? <laughs> well, I would say uh, all of the ones that I did in Thailand and in Hong Kong and here in Tampa, mm -hmm. Florida, uh, through the, uh, the Chinese, you know, seasonal films and working in, you know, very dangerous places in the world. And mm -hmm. I mean, they're all hard because the Chinese, for example, they demand, you know, you to put your body on the line. Right. And, uh, they would, they don't, you know, at a certain point, once they've gotten what they need, you know, you are expected to give your all and to, to do whatever, but they're all tough because you start in the morning, you know, working on this and that and the, the temperature and the humidity and the this and that. Never mind, you've got somebody like Billy Blanks kicking your ass all day long. Right, right. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, they're all tough. And, and you want you want to sell out, as it's called in the stunt community. You want to, to just, you know, go at it. So, I mean, all mm. of them, really. And, and when, you, when you think about some of the places I've gone in the world, like Beirut and uh, all of these, you know, and being, you know, there while there's still a war going on and all kinds of things. I mean, you know, all of it's kind of hairy, right, right. you know, really. Uh, and the thing about it is, is that, yeah, I mean, I would have to say just all of those uh, Hong Kong films, uh, No Retreat, No Surrender 2, Raging Thunder, No Retreat, No Surrender 3, Blood Brothers, and King of the Kickboxers, because um, of just the, the athleticism and the, the conditioning that was required to do it. And, and so how long would you, would you shoot on a given day, 14, 16, 18 hours? As soon as there was light in the sky, mm. you're doing it. And then sometimes you're doing it at night and sometimes you're doing it, you know, six days a week, uh, sometimes even seven. Mm. So, you know, the fact of the matter is, is, you know, you, you just, um, thank God I would teach, you know, this, thank God I would teach or have, have had, you know, in the dojang, for example, you know, I've been up at five thirty in the morning for a lesson or this or that, and then all, all throughout the day and then wind it up at 10 o'clock at night. So, yeah, um, pretty much 14 hours, 12 to 14 hours a day, depending upon light. And then, you know, rack out, get up and do it again. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's just the way it is for three and a half months, for mm -hmm. example. That's quite a, <laughs> that's quite a run. I mean, even the most conditioned person breaks. Right. 
and uh, would get sick. I would, you know, because of where I was, you know, whatever bacteria, whatever this, whatever that, and still have to work. Right, right. And I would be, I'd be told by these guys, don't eat too much because, Lauren, you're fighting after. I said, I can't eat this stuff anyway. Right? <laughs> and uh, because they don't want me to, you know, to to have something in my belly. Right. Because they know that that I'm going to get hit. So if, if my stomach explodes because, and it has food in it, that, that means I die. Mm. Sepsis is a, is a nasty mm. thing, but you know, it is what it is, man. It, it, it they were all hard. Really. All right. I gotcha. Which, which out of all the films you've done, which is your favorite? Well, I probably have to say it's a tie between no retreat, no surrender, three blood brothers working with Keith Vitale, one of my idols when I was growing up in martial arts and uh, having that, opportunity and uh, of course king of the kickboxers with billy blanks um i think that scene in king of the kickboxers when he and i go at it is epic and um you know of course you know seven-time world karate champion at that time look at him now he's still going he's still making people making a difference in people's lives and um you know it was it was just incredible to work mm-hmm. with people like Keith cook with people like Billy Blanks, with people like uh, Cynthia Rothrock and Huang Jung Lee and all of these incredible athletes and incredible stunt people and all of that around mm. the world. Yeah. What would you say was your biggest takeaway from doing those films? Well, you, the biggest takeaway is you have to be ready for anything at any time. You can't get emotionally sucked into this or that because you're going to be immortalized on film looking PO'd when you mm. shouldn't be or or uh, having not being in the moment. And that's a lesson for life. You always have to be in the moment. The present is a gift. You know, those who live in the past are dead in the mm-hmm. present. Uh, so my takeaway was always just to be, you know, calm, relaxed, and always ready. And uh, that is, that's what martial arts teaches you too. Not to be in survival mode right. all the time, because there's a difference. There's a difference. You know? But to always be ready. And always have your eyes open to protect others, to protect yourself, to CYA, cover your ass. I I used to ask some of the kids, are you ready? And then I had this like four-year-old kid scream out, I was born ready. I was like, wow, that's it. That's the attitude. At four years old, he's he's screaming at me, I was born ready. And, and, you know, when you think about it, that, that, that is something that you actually have to think about. If you're not ready, if you didn't jump on that call that came in to the school and say, yeah, you, you're talking to him, then you were ready and you were ready to go and, and, and take on that, that role. So being ready is, is critical and being in the moment is extremely critical and you have to live in the moment as well and, and not forget the past, but also think of tomorrow. Um, because your actions will help you in in everything you do. Right. We are all ultimately responsible. I mean, you know, if you point a finger, there's always three pointing mm-hmm. back at you. And and the, the biggest thing is, 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 like you said, I mean, you know, you got to be ready. I got to be ready. And I mean, ready to help others. You know, I mean, I have gone through so many, after 9-11, for example, I went and took Citizens Police Academy. I went and joined CERT. I was ready to be a part of the solution, not a part mm-hmm. of the problem you know, to give of self. I come from the warrior class and uh, I'm so grateful to that. And so grateful to men like my father who, you know, fought in two wars. Is it buried at Arlington? 
my grandfather, who's buried in West L.A. Veterans Cemetery, and all those who give service to our nation and all those heroes that we never, never mm-hmm. will know and who will never have given up their entire future for right. us, really. Absolutely. But let me ask you, how did you get your SAG card? Aha! Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I got a story for you after you tell me, but I want to know how you got yours. Okay, I'll be brief. I'll be brief. But uh, basically, uh, again, they called an audition. They, they called Pepsi Slice and, you know, this um, production company uh, was just calling every martial arts school to find Pepsi Slice black belts. And they had this whole advertising campaign using whether it was baseball or any of the sports, you know, football, baseball, basketball, martial arts. Uh, whatever. And you, you, so I showed up with uh, Ernie Reyes Sr. was there, the Castro twins, myself, uh, Mark Hicks, who doubled uh, Chris Tucker for many years and who was an incredible stuntman. He's also mm. the guy who hits himself in the head with the nunchucks, you know, and is in, is in that famous kind of funny audition. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I was, I called to the audition. And uh, as you know, Sifu, I have some excellent kicks, had some excellent kicks and I just was able to, to bust them out mm. and I got hired and I was Taft Hartley. There's some, uh, there's a, an act that allows for non-union members to be inducted into the union temporarily. That's what I used to join Screen Actors Guild. I got 10 grand for the commercial for three days work mm. and residuals after that, but I took $2,500 of that 10 grand and I joined the union. The Screen, the screen oh, Actors Guild. Nice. I, I joined the Screen Actors Guild because the Taft-Hardley Act allowed me to be a part of the Screen Actors Guild for three months. And then I either could join or I could let that three months lapse and not be a union member. So I elected to join Screen Actors Guild, and I'm mm. glad I did. Mm. So, so he, here's my brush with uh, Screen Actors Guild. I, I got a phone call, and, and it was pretty simple. It was... We need you. This is when I was young and, and, and super naive. And it was, I think I was like 16, 17. And the call was, we need you to be on an airplane for three days shoot. And so I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to be in a movie. How much am I getting paid? They said, nothing. And I said, well, that's not good. They said, yeah, but you'll get your Screen Actors card. You, you know, you get your SAG card. And I said, well, what does that mean? They're like, you know, you can. And I was like, nah, I'm not interested. <laughs> Boy, was I dumb or what? Not really, <laughs> no. You have to kind of question everything. I mean, if they wanted to pay you nothing and they, they, all, they gave, all the information they gave you was that you got to be in an airplane for three days, that, that's too much. That's not enough information. That's actually, that, that is a little sketchy mm. to me. It's, it makes me wonder if it was even a Screen Actors Guild no, it was because I knew the person. <laughs> so, yeah, it was. And they were doing me a favor and I didn't realize it. So I was like, no, I'm good. Maybe, maybe mm. not. Because, you know, you you would have done this and have been able to join SAG, but you would have had to pull that out of your pocket? Yeah, right. No. I mean, no, that's not right, actually. And excuse yeah. me for saying this, but that's no friend. Yeah, right. Well, you you know what? It's it's fine yeah. because it's just my my actions have led me to where I am today. So it's just to me it's kind of funny 
but you know, it's just, Hey, you know, I could have, but I didn't. So there you have it. Well, that, you know what? I wouldn't have done mm. it either. Let me just give okay. you that. If, if somebody had come to me said, well, we, we need you to hang upside down for three days, but you get your SAG card. Well, I'm like, okay, no, mm-hmm. no, thanks. You know, it's just illogical. If he didn't tell you what you needed to do in that airplane or what that was, why should you risk your life? You know, because the thing about any production or any, anything you do is that you, you, you know, the stunt department or, or, you know, whoever it is that's in, in charge of safety, there's uh, one of the, one of the 10 most dangerous jobs you can do in the world is to work on a set and, and, or to be involved in a production. Mm-hmm. And especially overseas where there is no union. I thought the first movie that I did that they were just going to shoot me in the head when wow. I was through, uh, be done with me because then they wouldn't owe me anything or this or that. I was calling my mom every week. Mom, did, did you check my bank balance? Did I get any money? Yeah, we, you got paid. I'm like, okay. Because <laughs> I figured at least, I mean, let's, let's, this is literally how they made me feel. Mm. Uh, that I was, you know, I was a star of the film, but I was absolutely in their world and at their mercy. And uh, so, you know, you did the right thing. And that's no mm. friend. Well, somehow I did the right thing. I, I didn't even know it. With With everything you've done and you're still helping out you're still doing things for kids why why do you continue well what good am i everybody needs a Mm. purpose and if i can take some of some of what i am and who i am and help some young person that is still forming their values their you know who, who what it means and look i'm a white guy right so i went to hawaii and started something up that you know nobody can stop i went into to teach um, the Penn Hawaii youth. And I can remember this sweet gal from the Salvation Army and also from Kalapono, which is another organization over there, saying, aren't you afraid to go in front of these kids? I said, no, they should be afraid of me. Mm. And uh, it's, it's exerting that power and giving that example and caring. The, the thing is, is what am I going to do today for other people and, for, and to do something that makes a difference? Because if you don't, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You mean, are you, what kind of life are you living? Yeah. Are you living just because you need to, you know, eat, sleep, and repeat? I don't think so. I think, you know, we all must strive to help another up and to be around kids or to be around others and to give or to do whatever you can for that elder neighbor or for the person on the street. I mean, Everybody's in their own world, but we're all in this world we together. Are. So, are. yeah. You know, it, it's uh, what you said definitely uh, rings a bell for me because a lot of people are living that Groundhog Day. They are doing the same thing over and over, and it's monotonous. And, and they don't realize that they just like wake up, do the same thing, go to sleep, wake up, do the same thing, while they have an opportunity to realize who they are and what like you said what their purpose is every one of us does have a purpose and we need to find it i mean my my purpose like yours is just to help people to to enlighten someone to go out of my way and and help someone it is just that's how we do change the world like you said one when you help someone you are changing the world right one person at a Mm -hmm. time and uh, always always being available 
and just showing up is 95% of life. Now, look, I'm, I have the ultimate respect for somebody who can go to a, sit at a desk every day and do what they need to do or what they've chosen mm-hmm. to do or what they've not chosen mm-hmm. to do because they need to pay the bills. Right. And, you know, I have so much respect for that person. And, but after they have done that, they, they, they really need some me time. Mm. They need some time to go to, to uh, see Sifu and to, to train or to, to go and engage in improvement of themselves, of their spirit. And they may be totally exhausted, you know, because of what they have to do just to pay the bills. But ultimately, I mean, ultimately, look, we're so lucky, right? We because we live in country we live in a country where we we have so much opportunity if i were in a different culture say in a communist country and i've been in many communist former communist countries i've seen what people have to endure so i'm just you i all americans and all people who live free or try to live free but keep our uh honor clean as it were and keep going and never settle is, uh, you know, it's a very difficult thing to do because sometimes you are in debt. Sometimes you are, you know, this or that. But I mean, I can't explain mm. Sifu, what, what, what runs me, but I just listen to that voice and listen to that spirit, man. And I just go, keep going, keep going. I'm working right now with uh, First Nations as well over here in Florida. As that evolves, I will certainly share what that is. But the fact is, is that, you know, First Nations is those people are who we, you know, pushed aside our ancestors or those ancestors or those kingdoms that came over here to do whatever they do. So uh, I love those earth religions and those earth people and those people who were here that know and that lived a, a different way. They were they were not the savages. It was those who came who were. Mm-hmm. So we're you know, I'm I'm still influencing. I'm still doing all that I can in whatever area I am in. And I have been living. In, I've lived in Hawaii. I've lived in L.A. I've, you know, I grew up part of you know, my youth in Europe in London. And uh, you know, so I'm so lucky to have been and to be a man of the world. I just got married to uh, six months ago to a beautiful Serbian woman. Congratulations. Thank you, sir. You know, so I I didn't expect at 57, 58, soon to be 59, that I would ever, you know, meet such an incredible human mm. being. And it, But it just happened. And I, I attribute all of that to what energy I keep giving. Mm-hmm. I just keep giving. I don't ask for anything. I just keep going, keep giving. Yes, sometimes you have to ask. Absolutely. But you just if you just keep putting that energy into the universe as it were and into people then somehow it reflects back to you you know you're either you're either going and and doing you know we, we used to joke about you know the whole korean master thing right how can you doing if you're not doing there's such wisdom in that you know sort of simple broken right. english uh, sentence and that is what we are here we are human beings not human wantings, human tryings, although we do that too, and, and human, uh, you know, whatever. So we, we are human being. And so every day you do the best to be and to show up and then, you know, take care of yourself. And then, you know, we have so many choices that people get confused. And so martial arts and discipline 
is a huge part of of staying true right, right. And, and and living Absolutely. good. So, Lauren, hearing your story and and knowing some some of your story and, and watching some of your films and everything, have you ever considered writing a book, like a either an autobiography or a well i guess yeah an autobiography yes i mean i've been i've been asked when are you going to write your memoirs or your your book and i, I my answer is who cares you know? <laughs> what what do you mean who cares mm-hmm. i mean some people do care oh, no, come on you know they do yeah you have yeah. a very interesting story and i'm sure just when you're in thailand and when you were in, in these different scenarios that you were in and all the different experiences you had i'm sure that some people would really love to get into the nitty-gritty of it and and kind of like live vicariously through your 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 uh, endeavors thank you Shifa. i appreciate that and it probably at some point when i can no longer do or move or do whatever then i'll sit down and i'll write but I'm still so active in just mm. doing the smallest things that I don't have. You really have to set aside time to do that. You do. And my mother did her memoirs and wrote sort of her, her novel. My father did too. People like that. And I don't know. I mean, the thing is, is there's so many people that I feel are so much more interesting than I am. Mm. That uh, what, what I can do now is more important. And there's so many, if you think about it, Sifu, right? There's so many people throughout history that we will never know their story. Right. They have just done the right thing. And so I always am kind of intimidated by doing something like that because I feel there's so many more people that have so much more to say and give. So what I can do is, yes, ultimately, I'm not going to get a you know a $60 million book deal like uh, President Obama, and I'm not going to get this or that. I mean, the, the thing is, is that I, I feel like being active – you know, on a daily basis with just anybody who's around or somebody who's listening to your, your podcast or you or whatever, that's so much more important than writing about what I did. Mm. I'd rather be actively doing, mm-hmm. able to doing. Doing and changing lives every day. That's right. And that is that is something that you can't do in, in, in a book. I mean, really, uh, unless you're being, somebody wants to study themselves, and that's what they should do mm-hmm. uh, first. And that's, you know, I mean, sharing a story, we're doing that right now and and trying to encapsulate and also compartmentalize all of the experiences I have. It's daunting, Mm. really daunting. I mean, the book would be about, you know, 1500 pages. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, somebody I'd need an editor. I'd have it would take me years. And, you know, I just don't have the time to devote to that. But that's very kind of you. I would love to, you know, just look, look at what we're doing yeah, right now. Yeah. I, that it, I hope that you, and you know, I know this is why you do this. That it, you will, some, some one person will listen to this and it will change mm-hmm. them. And that's, that's what we live for. Right. I feel. To make a difference in someone's life. Because, you know, sometimes a, a, a phrase or a word or an attitude can change someone. And, and we never know when we do touch someone how we do touch someone and how we can change their lives. Yes. And I wish I could show up and do that more Mm -hmm. often. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, again, I feel there are so many, so many people have so many stories and, um, and their own, their own experience. And you know what, this, 
all of this is just an opportunity. It's all an opportunity. So if anybody is seeking to know, they will know. And they have to put the work in to do that. And there is no book that you can read that's going to allow that. You have to experience and learn. And then when experience becomes wisdom, then, you know, perhaps you can change others. But like you said, it's just that certain energy. It's that it's that love mm-hmm. that you give and you present and you put forward every moment. Right. And that creates uh, the opportunity for change and the opportunity for someone to take a moment. Look, it's it's so sad, for example, during this COVID time, so many little, so many children taking their own lives right. because they are not around other people. And I don't know how that happens, but that is the greatest tragedy to me. I mean, I know a lot of other people have passed away, and I'm, I'm you know, very, very sorry about that. But when I think about a child, yeah. his or her life, because they feel that their future, they have no future, and that they're in a hopeless situation. And all of this negativity that we see in divisiveness now in our world, it's toxic. It, it really is. We need to realign our values. And I don't know how, and I'm not trying to tell anybody what to do. All I'm asking perhaps is, is for you to examine things impartially. If you can't step out of outside of yourself and look at everything as that could be me there, but for God's grace go I. And, uh, you know, and be the, walk in a mile in that person's moccasins and then be able to show up at any level, at any age, and still remember that you are, you are, uh, you have been given such a precious gift. Now, there's a lot of people that, you know, which is life. Because once you don't have that, you can't do anything, right? right? We don't know what happens after that. But once, you know, someone makes that decision, and if somebody is ever, that if anybody's listening to this and feels that low, you know, remember, there's always somebody who cares and who loves you, and you can always reach out. You can call the suicide hotline. You can do something, and there's always some. There's always a way. Mm. And sometimes getting to that bottom is exactly what that lesson is. You're at the bottom. You've got nothing to lose and nowhere to go. So why not choose life? Why not choose to get up another day and keep? trying and keep going. Even if you have no food, it's so scary to think that I don't know how many millions of people go to bed hungry and kids get up and the only meal that they get is from school. And we live in the richest country in the world. There's a lot of food waste. There's a lot of waste waste. There's a lot of garbage and rubbish and everything. We need to get up how much, you know, there is to be done. And, uh, you know, our, our, you know, our world really needs attention from us. Uh, we've, we've raped it for 250 years, and now the planet's starting to say, hey, mm. guess what? You know what? You're just a blip in time, and I'm going to go back to what I used to do, spinning around and creating new molecules. So uh, you better start cleaning stuff up. Yeah. And that's the thing. It, you know, there's always somebody that you can talk to or turn to, don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to to say, uh, but it's so hard for a child to, for example, to say, I'm hungry. Right. When when they don't have any food, how can some child, how can a child learn without having uh, breakfast or something? I mean, it's just, it's horrible, really. And this has been going on for millennia and it goes on all over the world. 
but what a wonderful world it would be if uh, we all, you know, just did not for money. Look, hey, you got everything. Everybody chipped in a little. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But do that, you know, on a level that you can. And, uh, and that's it. You know, I mean, that's the way we change the world and that's the way we leave it better. But we had a lot of cleaning up to do mm-hmm. at this point. There's this planet can support maybe 3 billion people. We've got what, close to 8 billion people on this mm-hmm. planet. You know, there's, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't want to tangent off too much, but it's just too, too, so important that anybody, you know, if they get to the bottom, that, that they change that around and that they reach out. Yeah. Somebody will always grab your hand. And it's, impo- it's important for all of us to be able to give a hand. So l- let me ask you on a lighter note, <laughs> and, and listen to me, that, that's extremely important. Um, you know, helping each other out, looking out for someone, looking for signs. All those are things that we should all do because it's not just kids. It's anybody, anybody who is, is looking to um, find an easy way out because that is an easy way out. And life is tough. Life is hard, but it is what you make it. So on a lighter note, are you still working in the industry? No, I haven't been, but I have aspirations to do that. You know, everybody, is, you know, I, the big joke in L.A. was everybody's got a script under their arm. Mm. Um, but the thing is, is that, you know, I'm, I've been out of the I, I put myself in the rabbit hole in Hawaii. But as I I have some things that I've written, I have friends that are very, very big in the business, which is great. But, you know, the thing about that is, uh, Rafael, is the fact that what I mean, I would look. I'm going to go hopefully visit my my buddy JJ Perry, who's going to be directing his first film, mm. a fifty five million dollar budget with Jamie Fox, called Day Shift, which I guess is some kind of thing that has to do with vampires and all that that existed before this guy penned a script about it. And Chad Stahelski, who you know I've known for many moons, uh, who was Brandon Lee's double and all that, and who directed John the John Wick series. You know, here's he, this is his first uh, directorial debut, and you know, so I'm going to go visit him in Atlanta. I will have had, uh, hopefully, touch wood, the vaccine. Mm-hmm. You know, look, I still have stuff to offer. I have helped others that, you know, need direction with their projects. And I can't believe how, look, it's, it is a very brutal business. Oh, I'm sure. It is brutal. You are swimming with the sharks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's something that I don't really need in my life, but I still and have been bitten by the bug, as it were. Right, right. And uh, I want, I feel like I can still be creative and I can still be, a, a, you know, of service to that and, and to be artistic, mm-hmm. really. And that's the thing that might happen. I would love to be more behind the camera because I, I have to say this to beat my own drum a little bit, is that a lot of the action that I see being done today is overdone. Mm. It's It's not good. It's not to my standard, I would say, or not to the standard that was done previously. And you got to know how to to create that illusion, but also, you know, know, know what's going on. Now, listen, I'm not saying that there isn't some great stuff going on, but, you know, I feel like I have, from doing all of those films and all of those people now are getting older, Sam Hung, you know, Jackie Chan, whoever, are getting older and older, and but I'm still able to, to, to do that. And I would love to be able to work more behind the scenes. 
and maybe in front of the camera, but not so much. I mean, you know, the thing about it is, is nobody's knocking on your, on your door. You got to go find it. Right. Right. And, and so do I want to devote my energy and my passion towards something that I know uh, 99.9% of the time is not going to happen. My mom used to say this because she was in the business. She was an advertising executive director, producer, all that. She, she'd say to me, Lauren, it's amazing anything ever gets done. And now you have the ability to shoot with nothing, you know, just get an iPhone. And now you've got Dolby uh, cinema sound and everything from right. a phone. It's incredible, isn't it? It is. And, you know, shoot, I mean, there is so much possibility out there and so many creative people. But the thing that I learned as someone who gets older in the business is that you're not valued as much. That experience is always overtaken by the creativity of someone younger, what their vision is, what the audience is. It is show business mm -hmm. and the business is bigger than mm -hmm. the show. So we'll see. I mean, you know, the whole thing is, is that I aspire to make a difference more than I do to, you know, engage in something that's profit. Mm. That, that The profit that I have is to be a profit and to be a part of, you know, the world, the, the world community, the world of change. And uh, so I try to work on that. Well, we'll see. You know, I mean, I'd love, I would love to, but, you know, I really don't want to sell my soul. I really don't. I just want to, I would just prefer to work. I don't care about credit. Uh, I do care a little bit about the money because somebody's going to make money. <laughs> and it doesn't hurt to have money. So <laughs> you can never have too many friends and too much money, but it's just what you do with that right, money, right. you know, and what you do with your friends mm -hmm. as well. So, you know, and that's the beauty of the businesses is that uh, I know so many people for so many years that started, I gave them their start or whatever. And now they're, doing great things, but there's always somebody waiting to do that. And maybe we'll do it better. And again, it's a machine. It is a machine. Hollywood or that machine is going to keep its people working. And if you notice how, how many remakes and how many things are being done, I mean, how can you remake Dr. Zhivago? Mm. How can you read any of these great classics? But they're, you know, so I hate to say this, but they're running out of ideas. They are. So they go back to old standards and then they remake them and it's either good, great or not so great. And I don't know. I mean, again, it's, it's a daunting proposition because when you put your heart into that and then you put that control in somebody else's hands, it's a little scary because you're never in control unless you're the one that's got the money. Right. And that is, that's the machine. You can get swallowed up. Totally. Totally. So, I mean, how about you, Sipu? What do you what do you aspire to do with your talents and with your school and with your your? Echelon? Oh, you're turning the tables on me. <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. About you, because if I can't listen, I can't learn. <laughs> well, you know, I, I do teach kung fu, and for me, everybody knows taekwondo. Everybody knows karate. Some people don't know kung fu. And when I say that, my own family says, hey, how's the karate school going? <laughs> and I've been doing kung fu forever. And I'm like, at, I stopped correcting people. And I'm like, oh, it's, it's going well. So for me, I really want to spread the word out about kung fu. How it's, it's just a different art. There's nothing wrong with karate. There's nothing wrong with taekwondo. There's nothing wrong with any art. But I just want to promote my art. And also for me, the more lives I can change, 
And it doesn't, and you know what? If I can help somebody and, and they want to do a different style, that's fine. As long as they're doing a martial art. Because martial arts, to me, I'm so passionate about. And what it has done for me, how it's made me, you know, I'm not, if my life is in danger, I'm going to be extremely aggressive. But if somebody's attacking me and my life is not in danger, I'm pretty cool. You know, I'm okay. I was a bouncer for five years. I never hit one person ever. Well, you're not, you're not yeah. supposed to. Well, you know, you're in, you're in that. <laughs> well, that, tell that to the other bouncers that all, all where the cops were looking for them. But, you, you know, the thing is, for me, is just empowering more people. And that's why I started this podcast, because I, I realized that as a coach, as anybody who impacts any knowledge onto someone else, they're making a difference. And that's why I was going to do this as a martial arts podcast, and then I changed my mind. And I said, people are making a difference in everyone's lives, in all different areas, whether it's dance, gymnastics, diving, swimming, hockey, football, soccer, it doesn't matter. And, and the, the message that I really want to get out there is that people need to really find their why and go for it. Excellent. Excellent. And, and that why it needs to be challenged too. And that- it does need to be challenged on a regular basis because if it's not challenged on a regular basis, you're not doing anything. Yeah. Not abling mm-hmm. to do it. Do you know who Kathy Long oh, yeah. is? Absolutely. Okay. So I just spoke to her a couple of days ago. She's still teaching, you know, MMA, and uh, she original originated in Kung Fu Sensu. Mm. You may or may not know. And uh, she has a tremendous partner who also does Tai Chi Chuan and all of these other things. And she's in Washington teaching every day. So you know, I spoke to her, and I have to say something about Kung Fu is uh, Kung Fu means what? Practice, right? It means work. Time skill. Time mm-hmm. skill, right. So, you know, work. You got to put in the work. Talking to Kathy, speaking to Kathy, she's so centered. You know? She's so, there's a five-time world champion, two-time black belt hall of famer. She still goes to the, to the uh, school every day and practices and teaches and mm-hmm. gives and that is so wonderful. And so what you do, I applaud. Oh, thank you. I Thank you. I, I've had schools. I know what it's like. You only got one body and you only got, you know, one mouth, and two ears. So we all got to try to listen and learn and do more for what we can. And, and you know, spread. Spread that love and spread that understanding. And like you said, people are going to say, how's the karate schools? Because they've never been. They, know, they don't know. Mm. I mean, my mom never came to watch me because she didn't want to, you know, she probably would have run on the mat if she saw somebody trying, you know, <laughs> kicking me and, and try to, you know, rip their head off. But the thing about it is, is, you know, you, you are a father figure, you know, you're the head of your family and that's a huge responsibility. And I applaud you for that. And all I can say is, is that if it wasn't for those who taught me, I wouldn't have learned. Hmm. And uh, of course we have to learn our own lessons, our own way. But you're absolutely right. I mean, you can't replace the feeling that you get, the reward that you get from listening to that little four-year-old and with that pure, pure reaction and instinct. And that's great. I, I have to say that without martial arts, I don't know what I would have done, where I, what I would have been, where I would have gone, what I would have ended up as. 
And there's an emptiness in people, I may say, because they don't explore all possibilities. And it's a shame. You know, every human being has a tendency, and we're taught this, to put themselves and other people in a box. Mm-hmm. And we need to explode that box and allow for everyone to be, I used to say this and I will say it now, everybody should not be able to see for a week, not be able to talk for a week, not be able to hear for a week, and not be, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Go through this process of understanding our senses, appreciating our life. If you want to go, if you want to put yourself through that, see, that's that's the thing about the warrior mindset, the peaceful warrior mindset is that you always want to know, uh, know and to and to be able to be at peace with everything and be with yourself. And that's, uh, you know, that's a huge thing. I don't know how to explain that to people. You have to seek that out. And I hope more you people do. do. You do have to seek that out because a lot of people don't do what you just say, which is meditate, which is uh, so critical. I mean, there doesn't go a day where I don't meditate. There doesn't go a day where I'm not working out and where I'm not thinking of what can I do today to improve my life? What can I do today to give to someone else? What can I do? And every morning, it, it, that's, that's the questions I ask myself. That's my morning routine. I mean, sometimes the, the crazy thing about me is that the minute I get up, I am like, Woohoo! Let's go running. Let's go, you know, doing this, doing that. And people look at me like, "What is he on? What kind of drugs is this guy on?" <laughs> I'm on pure it's, air, baby. It's just life. I love it, you know. And, and and anytime I could be in a dead sleep and I get woken up, I'm like fully wide awake and ready to go. And for me, it's just because I love I love life. Yeah, and that's so wonderful to hear. And that becomes infectious. And so we try to infect as many people as we can with love and light and love and, and, and excuse me, love, life and light mm-hmm. every day. And that's wonderful to hear. When I get up, I go, ow. <laughs> 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 you know, that's what happens. You know, we wear out. But, you know, the fact is, is I, I wouldn't change a thing. And I'm so glad that there are people in the world like yourself. So, uh, you know, keep keep on going, Sifu. We, we will make a difference. I got maybe thirty years left. I'm gonna I'm gonna be at it every single perfect, second. Perfect. I am never ever retiring. Uh, I mean, first first I would have to have a job, and then I could retire. But I don't have a job, so for me, this is just my life. This is what it is. There's no way of uh, me retiring ever. So. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fine if you put in your 20 or your 30 or your 40 and you're on a pension, but then you're going to find mm-hmm. something else to do because retirement is not is not what it's cracked up to be. There's, no, you got to keep yeah, going no matter you're what. Done. You're not done until you're in the ground right. with dirt on your right. face. Keep so, learning every day. I mean, look, there's people in their 70s and 80s who are going back to college or, or learning a new activity or new doing new things. I've taught people Tai Chi in their 70s and 80s. And and they're like, how do you do this move? And how do you do that? And da, da, da. and I'm like, wow, the fact that you are still going, I love it, you know. And, and they're looking to do new things, and that's what life is about: learning new things. And it doesn't matter how old you are. Yeah. And I and I applaud you for teaching that eighty year old, you know, seven year old, and having the patience because 
each person requires their own, shall we say, modus. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, it's the work you are, you, you as a teacher, you know exactly what to say to that person to get them to do, you know, what they thought mm-hmm. they couldn't do. And that's what I love about martial arts is, is, is that you, you know, you, you just, every day that I've learned or, or have learned is I learned that I thought I couldn't do that, but I can. And, and so as we age, as I age, all I can do is try to remind that or teach that to other people. And that's what you do is that, you know, it's not over. You keep going. Let's, let's, mm-hmm. let's try this. And as long as it's healthy and it's good for you and it's, you know, it helps others, it, that's a super bonus, you know, but people, people, I don't know. I, yeah, we're the apex mm. predator. And a lot of people I used to say need to be <laughs> because too many. And I don't want to say that because there's a lot of this anger right now, you know, and it's, but it's not directed in mm. the proper manner. There shouldn't be mm. anger. There should be a challenge and understanding to cha- uh, uh, the uh, opportunity to, to understand why you're angry. And it's always self-examination. Yeah. When I said too many, I meant too, too many people are, uh, when you said need a beating and, and I said too many is because. <laughs> you're right. That's why, <laughs> that's, that's why you said it. Because, because so many people are so selfish. Yeah. So selfish, and and they're not thinking of anyone else but themselves, and mm-hmm. and they're not the only ones in the room sometimes. Right. And when when I say a beating, a, a more of a not a physical beating, but more of a a mental beating of, hey, oh, yeah. wake up. Yeah. You know, you live in a world with other people, and the more you do for people, the more you'll receive. That's right. And and, that, and that's the real message that I want to tell people. I mean, get don't get me wrong. I don't want to hit anybody. No, and, and I'm the last one to want to hurt someone. I if anything, it. if somebody tries to hurt me, I'm like, can I move them? Can I get out of their way? And then just, you know, give them a hug afterwards. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and that's so great. You know, the thing is, is that there's always somebody who's, there's some reason why they're, they're that way and they're having a bad day or whatever. And a quick story, I was in L.A., bad part of L.A., and some shopping cart guy who's probably, you know, an alcoholic or this, that, he runs his, shop, his cart into my, the side of my brand mm. new car. And the first thing I do is pull over. I get out. Are you okay? You know, mm. I know what he's done. But what am I doing? I'm, I'm totally, you know, taking him away from his anger for a moment and asking him if he's okay. I know, you know, maybe there's some damage to my car, but I don't care. And then all of a sudden, all of these people come out like cockroaches uh, in in this, you know, with their cell phones and they're watching (laughs) videotape. People yelling, I saw you, you hit him, you know, all of the stuff. And I'm going, am I in a bad movie right now? What's going on here? But then, but then, you know, we get quiet and I just put my armor on and I just looked at this guy like with that. And are you ready to die? Because if you are, Mm. I will help you. And that's that. And because, you you know, we put our armor on and we're not going to hit anybody. But, you know, when we if we get hit, we automatically react. And I, as a highly trained martial artist, I know that, you know, if I have have to go to jail, it will be because uh, I have done everything not to resort to violence. So what ultimately happened is, is some good Samaritans come along and they're like, no, 
you, you know, he did not do that. And they're starting to get angry at other people that are like, and I'm like, hang on, let's get out of the street. Let's not get hit by cars. Come over here, everybody. You know what I mean? And the guy with the shopping cart's long gone. Because, and he's like, if you want to swing, we can swing. And I'm like, you know, whatever, you know, really. And, and, but I was in a bad Mm. movie there for a minute. And I'm going, how does this happen? How does this happen? I, how did I, you know, I knew I should have taken Lincoln. I knew I shouldn't have taken the side streets over here at night in, in Venice, uh, California. But, you know, so it's just kind of crazy. The world is like, it, it, it can be absolutely mm. nuts. And, but the ability to change that uh, and, and to step into that moment. And then I just, I just changed myself right. in that instant. Because I realized I'm ready to die. I'm ready to die. That kind of thing. And then that energy, it just unnerves people when you're yeah. quiet. It just unnerves everybody. Because yeah, I'm not going to give them any, I'm not going to start yelling or being you know, aggressive or anything like that. But it's because we put the mm-hmm. work in, right, Sifu? We put the work in. We know what it's like to, to you know, hit the ground or make somebody else hit the ground. And we don't want to do that. And that's that. Somebody need some people need a beating, as you said. <laughs> uh, a lot of people need a beating, but they what they need to be what they need to understand is, as you said, to beat themselves. You know, to to do those push ups to say, okay, you know what, you, you know, you think you know so much. Let's let me let me just put you through a routine that's going to exhaust you to such a point. A, 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 a beating in humility. <laughs> yeah, be, that's going to exhaust you to such a point. That now you're in, now you're malleable. Now you're going to listen. Now you're going to, because you're so exhausted. And, you know, that's what we do. We, we put people through the paces. But that was just a surreal moment. I'm like, is wow. this really happening? Wow. <laughs> Am I going to go to jail? Am I going to county tonight? What the heck is going right. on? Anyway, so it can happen to anybody at any time. And that's, right. that's right. the lesson. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for today. This was so much fun talking to you and getting to know you even more. And uh, I know you and I are going to be pals forever. And if you ever need me to come out and do a seminar or anything with you, you know, just let me know. And vice versa, brother. You got it. Thank you. God bless you, man. Take care, everybody. We love you. Yes, we do. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back with a new episode and a new guest. You can find all episodes of the Coaching Call podcast on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I ask that you please leave me an honest review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. I'm trying to keep this episode free of advertisements. Anything you can donate to the cause is greatly appreciated. To donate, Go to paypal.me backslash Sifu Raphael. Thank you and I really appreciate your help.